does remind me of a story I, I heard about a pastor who was walking down the street one day and he saw a group of boys uh, surrounding this dog and he, he was kind of concerned, wondering what they were doing, were they being mean to the dog or not. And so he walked up and said, he said, uh, boys, what are you doing with that dog? And one of the boys replied, oh, this is just some old stray neighborhood dog and, and all of us want to keep him, but only one of us can, so we're going to have a little contest. Whoever can tell the best lie gets to keep the dog. Of course, the pastor was shocked by this, and he said, he said, you boys shouldn't be having a contest about telling lies. And then he started to, to kind of launch into a little ten-minute sermon about lying, and he started with, uh, you know, saying that, boys, don't you know that it's a sin to lie? And he ended with, well, when I was your age, I never told a lie. And there was dead silence for about a minute, and just as the pastor was beginning to think that maybe he got through to the kids... The smallest boy gave a deep sigh and said to his friends, All right, give the preacher the dog. <laughs> Parents, you've probably noticed you don't have to teach your kids to lie, do you? It comes rather naturally. Uh, the challenge is teaching our children to tell the truth. And that's no easy task because you're also trying to teach them to be tactful and thankful and kind. And so sometimes it's a, it's a little challenging to get all of that across at the same time. We want our kids to tell the truth, just not so much about, you know, Granny's uh, cauliflower casserole or Aunt Ruth's bad taste in Christmas gifts for little Johnny. You don't want them to be truthful about those sorts of things. But we do want them to tell the truth. Again, that kind of reminds me of the story of a mom and dad who asked their five-year-old son to say the blessing. The neighbors had come over for dinner. And so he was being a little bashful, and he said to his mom, Mom, I don't know what to say. And she said, Well, it's okay, son. Just say what your daddy said at breakfast this morning. And so he bowed his head, and he said, Dear God, why do we have to have those awful people over tonight for supper? <laughs> so, so teaching your kids to be honest and truthful is not easy. And it's all the more difficult because we live in a world of fake news and alternative facts. We live in a world today where truthfulness and honesty seem to be in short supply. You can't even trust what the anchors on the evening news have to say. You can't even trust what our politicians have to say. It's like what St. Augustine warned. He said many, many years ago, when regard for truth has been broken down or even slightly weakened, all things will remain doubtful. And so we are left doubting and wondering what is even true today. And for that reason, the ninth commandment, I would say, is particularly relevant for us. In Exodus 20:16, God says, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Do not bear false witness. In other words, do not lie. Do not intentionally mislead other people. And this command is pointing to a particular kind of lying, slandering someone with a knowingly false accusation. And, and that kind of lying, lying about someone, isn't just destructive to the person that you're lying about or that you're falsely accusing. It's destructive to your soul as well. In Proverbs chapter 6, it tells us, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. And notice how many of these seven involve lying and scheming and being deceitful. God hates haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. 
I would argue that no one is despised as much as a liar. And according to these verses, God would agree. Of the seven things that God hates most, four of them have to do with lying and being deceitful. God simply hates falsehood. Whether that's a whopper or a white lie, God hates it. And even when we're just telling half a truth, we're telling a whole lie. God hates anything less than telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And we can lie by our actions and by our omissions. We can lie by our very silence. We can purposefully deceive by what we leave out. I heard about a teenage boy who was supposed to be home at midnight, and instead he came in at 2 a.m. And he thought he could sneak in. Everybody was in bed asleep. But as he was coming up the steps, one of them creaked, and his dad woke up and said, Son, is that you? He said, Yeah, Dad. And then he said, What time is it? And before the son could say a word, the cuckoo clock went off, and it cuckooed two times. And the boy said later that he had the most ingenious moment in his life as he stood there in the stairwell and cuckooed ten more times. There's a lot of different ways we can tell a lie. And Proverbs isn't the only place in the Bible that tells us that lying is a big deal and something that God detests. In Ephesians, Paul mentions that lying is one of the first things we have to get rid of when we become followers of Christ. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 20. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. And look at the first example he gives. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Lying is simply incompatible with our new life in Christ. And Paul says we have to put off falsehood and put on truthfulness. The first lie in human history was conceived by Satan. So as we think about how and why do we lie, we have to remember that Satan put that first lie in Eve's mind by questioning God's goodness, denying God's justice, and promising something that Satan knew he could never deliver on happiness and fulfillment apart from God. And Adam and Eve believed Satan's lies over God's truth and sin entered into the human experience. And immediately it twisted and perverted the human heart and humanity began to deceive and obfuscate and lie. And, and they, even in the garden, they tried to hide their guilt and shame from each other and from God. They tried to justify their disobedience and pass on the blame to other people. As we heard in our New Testament reading, Jesus said of Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so from the very beginning, lying has been one of the most common symptoms of our sin problem. Again, to quote Augustine, sin is believing the lie that you are self-made, self-dependent, and self-sustained. Sin itself is about lying. And so ultimately, the only way you can combat our problem of lying, whether that's in ourselves, in our children, in our culture at large, the only real solution is a spiritual one. 
We need a heart change. And it's the kind of heart change that can only come through a personal relationship with the One who is truth with a capital T, with Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 8, later on after our New Testament reading, that the only way we can find true freedom is by knowing His truth. And that comes through a relationship of obedience to Him. But I think it could also be helpful for us to consider some different ways we might lie on what some of those specific sinful motivations might be. So I want to share a few of those with you this morning. One is that we tell a cruel lie. This kind of lie is intentionally destructive and malicious. You know, maybe you don't like someone. Maybe they're, uh, you're in competition with them, or maybe they've done or said something to hurt you, and so you tell a lie to hurt them back. Maybe you misrepresent them. Maybe you make up a story about them. Maybe you just sort of lead other people to think the worst about them. Sadly, we see this kind of lying in the news every day from politicians to pundits. You know, and millions of dollars are spent on advertisements that tell cruel and hateful lies every election cycle. Online bullying and Facebook gossip are more examples of this. And in a legal sense, we might call this slander, which is which is when you say something about somebody that you know is not true for the intended purpose of damaging their reputation. The Sadducees did this to Jesus. They slandered Jesus so they could have Him put upon that cross to die. Now, what is the motive behind telling the cruel lie? It's resentment. Resentment that's fueled by jealousy and revenge and anger and hatred. If I don't like you and I'm bitter against you, I'm angry or I'm hurt by you, that resentment that builds up in me can very quickly lead me to tell a cruel lie to hurt you back. Another kind of lie we might be tempted to tell is the cowardly lie. This is the kind of lie we tell to escape the consequences, to avoid pain and punishment. You know, that's the whole my my dog ate my homework lie right there. It's the kind of lie that Adam told in the Garden of Eden when he sinned because he blamed his wife. He didn't own up to his mistake. He passed the blame to his wife. See, when you don't want to get into trouble, that's when you tell the cowardly lie. So the the motivation behind the cowardly lie would obviously be what? It'd be fear. You're afraid. You're afraid to suffer the consequences. Proverbs 29.25 says that fear of man will prove to be a snare. Fear is a trap. When we're afraid of people thinking poorly of us, when, when kids and teenagers are afraid of not being cool and not being accepted, they might say or do things they know they shouldn't. They may tell lies to hide the truth or to make themselves seem cooler or tougher than they really are. When we're faced with peer pressure and we don't have the courage to just say no, we might tell a cowardly lie. And adults, we tell these kinds of lies too. Has anyone ever asked you to do something and you just said, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm busy, I have other plans. And then you tell your wife, we've got to find something to do on Saturday night because I said we had plans. The truth is you just didn't want to do it. And there's a big difference between saying I can't do something and I don't want to do something. And we tell cowardly lies. Another lie we tell is the conceited lie. How many times have you ever lied to impress someone? You know, you're trying to create an image. You're trying to cover up some insecurity. Someone once said people never lie so much as after a hunting or fishing trip, during a war, or before an election. 
Maybe you're bragging about some accomplishment at work or on the ball field, but you know you're stretching the truth just a little bit. You know, that fish gets bigger every time you tell the story. We say, oh, that's harmless. Oh, it's just for dramatic effect. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to make it a better story. But the truth is, when we exaggerate to prop ourselves up, that's a conceited lie. And what's the motive behind that conceited lie? It's selfishness. Selfishness plain, or I'm sorry, insecurity. It's insecurity. Getting ahead of myself. Insecurity. When you pull away the layers, behind that pride and that ego is really just a frightened, insecure person. Because if I don't think I'm good enough, I might pad my resume. And statistics tell us that 40% of people do that. Or like I said, the fish gets a little bit bigger each time, or the, the, the play on the ball field gets a little more dramatic each time. We begin to tell these stories because we believe the truth is just not good enough. Or the truth just doesn't make me look good enough. But then there's the calculated lie. And this is the kind of lie that we use to try to manipulate other people to get our way. We want what we want when we want it, and we'll even tell a lie in order to get it. Now, this is the lie that's motivated by selfishness. It's the lie that says, this is what I want, and so I'm going to do whatever I can to get it. Might even tell a lie. Con artists and scammers use this kind of lie all the time. You know, you maybe have heard these kind of lies on the telephone. You've gotten them in an email. I hate to break it to you, but no Nigerian prince wants to give you money. That's a lie. But it goes deeper than just that. Spouses can tell these kinds of calculated lies to manipulate each other to get their way. Maybe you just really want to go on this particular vacation. And so you might say something to manipulate things to get your way. Or maybe you really want that new car. Or maybe you want to get out of that social engagement. We can be guilty of telling manipulative lies to our children as well. This kind of lie is very insidious. Whenever we believe that meeting our own needs is the most important, or when we think that our way is the only right way, or when we begin to use the ends to justify the means, we can easily find ourselves telling these kind of manipulative, calculated lies. And then the final kind of lie that I want to share with us this morning is the convenient lie. And this may be one of the ones that we're the most guilty of. And we tell this kind of lie because it just takes so much effort to tell the truth sometimes. Right? I mean, telling the truth can be hard. It takes effort to explain something. Sometimes telling the truth is a little too awkward. You know, kids, I know Abby drives us crazy sometimes because we ask her, how was your day today? What did you do at school? Nothing. I know that's not true. You didn't do nothing at school. What did you do today? And she just, you know, it just takes effort to try to remember and think back and, and, and recount your day. And it's just so much easier to say nothing. Or kids, maybe you don't want your mom and dad involved in a situation. So you just tell them a little convenient lie. It takes time to tell the truth. You have to actually engage your brain for a minute. You have to put forth effort to check the facts on that juicy little tidbit that you heard down at the beauty salon or at the water cooler at work. And so, rather than take that effort, we just pass along an unverified story. Now, what's the motive behind the convenient lie? It's laziness. Laziness. Now, we dress it up. You know, we don't want to say it's laziness. We want to say it's diplomacy, right? 
You know, you're in a social situation, demands a certain finesse, demands some social grace. And, I mean, you don't want to be rude. You don't want to offend somebody. So you're, you're visiting at someone's house. The night's dragging along. And, you, and it's so much nicer to say, I'm sorry, we've got to go home because our babysitter has a curfew. When the truth is, frankly, we're bored to tears and we just want to get out of here. You don't want to say that, so you tell that little convenient lie. And what's crazy is that when we do that, we think we're actually doing the right thing. We think that's the better option. But God tells us in Psalm 34, Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. And God doesn't just say big lies. He doesn't specify. It's lies, period. So how do we break the bad habit of twisting the truth? of deceiving other people and telling lies? How can we escape the traps of alternative facts and fake news? How do we tell the truth? A few things. First, we need to tell the truth completely. Proverbs 10.10 says, Whoever winks maliciously causes grief. That's kind of one of those... I read this verse in about eight different translations, and every translation translates this verse a little bit differently. It's sort of a difficult one, but the Good News translation says... Someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. That's what it means to, to wink maliciously and cause grief. You're, you're, you're winking at the truth. You're, you're playing fast and loose with the facts. And when you do that, it causes trouble. Now, what kind of trouble might it cause? It can cause resentment, mistrust, ignorance, superficiality. You know, we can get ourselves and other people into trouble when we're not meaning what we say and we're not saying what we mean. That's what that verse is telling us. And too often in our families we do this. We gloss over issues and problems telling these little white lies. I don't, I don't mind. That's fine. If that's what you want to do. Oh, oh I'm, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. And we deceive ourselves. We deceive our spouses. We deceive our children that everything's okay when it isn't okay. Churches can be guilty of this as well. Think about how many families, how many relationships, how many churches, how many friendships have been damaged because issues weren't being addressed openly and honestly. I mean, if you're not honest about your feelings in your marriage, you're undermining your marriage. Proverbs 28:23 says, "Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue." Now notice that phrase, "in the end." See, telling the truth at first may be unpleasant. It can be awkward. It can be, it can be difficult. You might have an employee at work that's been goofing off, they've not been doing their job, and you need to confront them and reprimand them. That's not fun. They're not going to enjoy that conversation. You're not going to enjoy that conversation. But if it helps them change their ways and not have to end up getting fired, then in the end, that difficult, truthful conversation was the right thing to do, wasn't it? Sometimes you have to rock the boat in order to keep it from sinking. Tell the truth completely. Secondly, tell the truth consistently. You know, being honest 80% of the time, that's not integrity. <laughs> it's like the little boy who cried wolf. You know, he was right one out of four times. But when we begin to only be honest part of the time, when, we, when people have that doubt in their mind, well, you know, sometimes he's truthful, sometimes he's not, then they begin to wonder, is this one of those truthful times or not? 
Proverbs 11.3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. That's a pretty stark word choice. Lying doesn't just damage our reputation, it can destroy it. And let's be honest, none of us in this room have a good enough memory to really be good liars, do we? And lying is incredibly hard work. Because you have to remember what you say to whoever you said it to. You have to keep all those stories straight. Mark Twain famously said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Amen? See, lying sabotages your success. It destroys relationships. It damages character. But God tells us to tell the truth consistently, which in the end builds trust. Deception destroys trust. And if you're a dishonest person, pretty soon you don't have any meaningful relationships because no one can trust you. So we need to tell the truth, tell the whole truth, and nothing but the truth all the time. But being honest and truthful kind of goes back to some of our earlier stories, doesn't mean being brutal, okay? So we also have to tell the truth lovingly. Tell the truth lovingly. Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, he says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. We are to speak the truth in love. Don't ever use the truth as a club to beat someone over the head with. You know, think, think for a moment about a relationship in your life that needs to be made better. A, a relationship that could be strengthened by openness and honesty. Or maybe you know someone who's, who's involved in something that's dangerous, that's unhealthy uh, for them or for someone else. And, and you want to help change them. But if you want to help change them, you need to remember two things. You need to remember that people change easier and faster when you speak the truth in a loving spirit. And you need to remember that people always perceive truth without love as an attack. And when somebody feels like that you're attacking them, it doesn't matter how truthful you're being, they're going to resist it, right? Their defenses are going to go up because they believe that you're attacking them. So when you want to be truthful with someone, and you know it's going to be a difficult conversation, slow down. Take your time. Pray about it. Think it through. Make sure you've earned their trust. Make sure that they know that you love them and you want what's best for them. Then they're more receptive to you speaking the truth to them. Proverbs 21.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So speaking the truth in love isn't about flattery. It's not about not offending them or hurting their feelings. The wounds of a friend can be trusted. Wounds. A wound hurts, doesn't it? So yes, sometimes when we speak the truth to someone, it's going to hurt. But the wounds of a friend can be trusted. The question is, are you being a friend? How can you know that you're speaking the truth in love? Well, first you have to honestly assess, am I doing this to benefit my friend or myself? Am I trying to change them so that things will be easier on me? Or am I really sharing this with the friend or with the loved one because I really care about them and I really want them to be the best person they can be? 
Ephesians 4.29, Paul says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Look at that verse. Speaking the truth in love means we only want to say what will be helpful and build others up, not build myself up. What will meet their needs, not my needs. So that it benefits those who listen, not that it benefits me. You understand that? It's a great verse to check our motives and why we want to be brutally honest with somebody. Make sure you tell the truth lovingly. And then lastly, make sure you tell the truth tactfully. Again, the lazy thing to do here is tell that convenient lie and just hope the issue resolves itself. But the better way is to tell the truth lovingly and tactfully, but that's harder. It takes effort. You have to stop and consider, who do I need to be honest with? What's the underlying issue? We have to be honest with ourselves and, 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 and think about our motives. Jesus says the truth will set you free, but only when you speak it completely and consistently and lovingly and tactfully. As Proverbs twelve eighteen says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So we have a choice. We can either hurt people with our words or we can heal them. We can either build them up or tear them down. We can either uh, delight them with our words or devastate them with our words. Our words have tremendous power. And it's all in how we use them. When you speak the truth in love and with tact, you can make your point without making an enemy. And that's very important if you want to save your marriage or your relationship with your kids or the people that you work, play, and worship with. So to be tactful means that we contemplate before we communicate. It means that we engage our minds before we engage our mouths. It means that we think about not only what we want to say, but how we say it, which oftentimes is as important, if not more important, than what we say. How we say something. And I believe that if we do these four things, if we speak the truth completely and consistently and lovingly and tactfully, then we will begin to embody a lifestyle of honesty. We will become lovers of truth and we'll raise our children and our grandchildren to be people who love and speak the truth. So the question is, why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? Why is this a problem for us? Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, How can you who are evil... Say anything good, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. See, Jesus is saying the real problem isn't the words in our mouth, it's the sin in our heart. The lies and the hurtful words that I speak are just an indication of what's inside of me. And that's a problem because the Bible also says that the dishonest and deceitful person will not enter heaven. I said this last week. That means that you and I, we're out of luck unless we have a Savior, unless we have someone who is truthful and honest for us, who can forgive us and who can transform our hearts and make us lovers of the truth. Jesus said He is the truth. And if we know Him, He can set us free. He can transform our hearts. He can make us people who love and speak and live the truth. Maybe this morning you need to admit that you're a liar. And you are desperately in need 
of Jesus Christ's saving grace and forgiveness. I invite you this morning to come to know Jesus Christ, to know the very truth of God Himself, because He will transform not only the words of your mouth, but He will transform your heart. And it won't happen overnight, but over time you will discover that He is replacing the values of the world with the values of the kingdom of God. That He is is replacing the deception in your life with the truth of God. And you will begin to discover that Jesus Christ is your Lord. And you would rather follow Him than anything else. Will you come as we sing in just a few moments and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins? Maybe this morning you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to be honest with God and yourself, you've been more concerned about your character than God's glory. You've been more concerned about your reputation than His reputation. And so you've been guilty of telling some of these lies. This morning will you come to this altar and pray And ask God to help you to speak the truth in love. To ask Him to empower you to be consistent and complete and tactful and loving in the words that you say that you could build others up and not tear them down. This morning I invite you to come and respond as God leads. Maybe God is calling you to join this church family. But whatever God is speaking to you today, I want to challenge all of us to take the calculated risk as we leave this place this morning to make the choice And it's a risky choice, but let's make the choice to be truthful in what we say. Let's do the hard work of being truthful people. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your being truthful with us. Your word does not sugarcoat the reality of this sinful and broken world. You are very honest with us about the problem in our lives. Father, help us to embrace Your truthfulness. Let that become a characteristic of us as we give our lives to Jesus Christ, as we surrender ourselves to His Lordship, as Your Holy Spirit fills us. Help us, Father, to strive with everything that is in our being to be people who are truthful, people who are honest, people who are open and upfront about everything in our lives. But help us to always do it lovingly and tactfully. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Would you stand and sing and respond as God leads this morning.